Hello from Delinea, and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the 401 Access Denied podcast, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or a review on your platform of choice, or by emailing us at podcast at delinea.com. From all of us at Delinea, thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the 401 Access Denied podcast. I'm the host of the episode, Joe Carson, and it's a pleasure to be here with you. And we're always looking to really bring interesting, fun topics with amazing guests. And throughout the years of the episode, we've had some awesome guests. And this is one that I've been waiting for a long time because uh, I always enjoy the conversation. I always enjoy the intellect and I always enjoy uh, some of uh, his, his ideas. Uh, so welcome to the show, Miko. Miko, if you can give the audience a little bit, I mean, most people know who you are, but, um, you know, just give us a bit of a background uh, about yourself, some fun facts, and uh, uh, let's kind of can I hear some of your insights. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So for the listeners, my name is Mikko. I'm an old school hacker, <laughs> programmer, reverse engineer, nowadays a public speaker and writer. I've been working in the industry forever. Started programming as a teenager. I sold my first commercial programs when I was 17 years old. Reverse engineered my first malware when I was 21. And those of you watching the video, um, some of you know that I always carry (laughs) one of the five and quarter inch floppy disks in my pocket just to remind myself of where I'm coming from like I do right now. And that actually the floppy I have in my pocket right now is actually infected with an, with an <laughs> did, early virus. Did you have to get a custom suit for that to fit? <laughs> Fun fact, I actually asked my tailor to, to, to make my pockets big enough to fit a five and quarter inch floppy disk. So yes, the answer is yes, that's, that's true. But nowadays I'm a cybersecurity expert. And when, when youngsters or students ask me that, hey, Mikko, how do you, how do you become an expert? My answer is always the same. You pick a field, then you work in the field forever. And eventually Mm -hmm. everybody will believe that you must be an expert because you've been doing it forever. (laughs) And and that's what I've been doing. I've I've worked through the largest malware outbreaks Mm -hmm. in history. I remember, you know, fighting the early boot sector virus episodes as as Mm -hmm. these were spreading around the world, like the Stone and the Michelangelo's and forms Mm -hmm. all the way to first email worms, to first web worms. I remember when Y2K was the huge issue 22 (laughs) years ago. And then the internet revolution as it changed everything. For the last couple of years, I've been spending a lot of time Mm -hmm. looking at the intersection of cybersecurity and artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. I write about this a lot. I had my, um, Wiley published my my, my last book international. It's been translated to multiple languages. So I do a lot of um, educating both in conferences, but also a lot of Mm -hmm. private briefings for Mm -hmm. boards and leadership teams of companies of all sizes. Fantastic, absolutely. And then just kind of for the audience, your book is awesome. I really enjoyed it. Um, we, we both we both are sitting with our copies, <laughs> um, and I really you know it really provides a good background. And I enjoy some of your references in, in, in some of the older school you know types of uh, viruses and malware. So you're you're getting um, old. That's what I know. I know because when 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 I start knowing, <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, my my career started back in the not as early as yours, but a little bit after. For me, it was '93 was where I still got it in the industry. But I wasn't then. For me, I wasn't dedicated to security. I was a system administrator 
an operator who basically connected computers and did the whole Windows 3.1 to 95 migration, all of those fun, fun times. Yeah. Um, but uh, when you're telling uh, you know, the, the stories, it always reminds me of also where I came. And I think I do have your autograph on, on, uh, on the punch card. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not, not, even the, not even the floppy disk, but the punch cards. <laughs> I actually always carry punch cards with me as well. So this Absolutely. is how I, uh, I, I often show youngsters how we used <laughs> to store information on paper before any of the uh, configuration. That was, yeah. that was the configuration file. <laughs> that's, that's, was, that's, and and one thing about Windows 3, um, mm. I, I just posted on X a couple of, couple mm. of days ago when I found a piece of early source code I wrote 30 years ago. And this was a really fun mm. project. I had no recollection what it was until I looked at the <laughs> documentation. But you remember before Windows, we had MS-DOS. And in yes, MS-DOS, we have these TSR programs. Remember what TSRs mm -hmm. are? Terminate and TSRs. stay resident. Say, say it again. Say it. Terminate and stay resident. The okay. programs you That's not on the top of mind. So I, I remember double space and I remember because... That's a TSR. That's a yeah. TSR. So anything okay. you load that runs in the background in MS-DOS, mm -hmm. that's a TSR. Then when Windows started to become a thing, you would first boot up MS-DOS and then from MS-DOS, you would start up Windows. And TSRs, mm -hmm. like Double Space, had hard time working underneath Windows. Mm -hmm. um, and what we did, because we had an MS-DOS antivirus mm -hmm. product at, at the time, I created this hack where a TSR would detect that Windows is booting and it would change operation and became would survive mm -hmm. Windows booting up and then continue running inside Windows as a VXD, that's a virtual device driver yep. for Windows 3.1 or 3.11. Mm -hmm. A massive hack, but it worked. And the end result was that when you booted up your system, it would scan floppies automatically when you used them to detect boot sector viruses. And if you <laughs> boot it into Windows, it would still do the same thing. It would be able to prevent you from getting mm -hmm. infected as you were using floppies. Really, you know, like low-level programming, assembly that's, for that's Windows 11. But yeah. um, I'm, I'm glad I had the experience, and I'm really glad I don't have to do it anymore. Yeah, anyone who I always admire anyone who's getting into the driver side of development because that is a very uh, you know it's a very focused and dedicated area. Because um, I worked a lot in the virtualization side and had to deal with a lot of those uh, filter drivers that had the different altitudes oh, yeah. of where mm -hmm. they load and where you're allowed mm -hmm. to load. So, and I think um, we've I already always, lost like 50 percent of the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I think I think I think they they love history lessons. That's for sure. So so let's get one, one of the big things I wanted to ask you about is is for this year, in the past year, mm. um, a lot's been happening. You know, we always see you know the trends, the ups and downs, and technology evolving, defense is evolving, the attacks and threats evolving. Um, what's some of the most notable things that you've seen throughout this year that kind of probably sparked your your thoughts and you know that was interesting, that was unique potentially? Um, what are some of those big events that you've kind of really highlighted for you? October 2023, mm -hmm. we didn't celebrate, but we did have the 10th anniversary of Bitcoin-enabled ransomware. <laughs> the very Absolutely. first Bitcoin-enabled ransomware, which we found two families mm -hmm. in October 2013, Crypto Locker and Crypto mm -hmm. Wall, and they were the very first ones which like merged the world of mm -hmm. blockchain, cryptocurrencies and ransomware. And that changed everything. And if you look at the last 10 years, ransomware has been the big success story for mm -hmm. the for the online criminals. Um, when you look at the so-called 
cybercrime unicorns or the big five yeah. ransomware gangs, the amount of money they're making is, is, is massive. And we saw that and we saw examples of that multiple times during 2023. I think the biggest case or the biggest headlines at least were the attack by the Alpha Gang against MGM Grand or MGM yes. Resorts. So that includes many of the Las Vegas hotels the hackers mm-hmm. stay at when they are in, in there for Black Hat <laughs> and Defcon. I was staying in MGM Grand just last August to, for, for Black Hat. So mm-hmm. I think they gained access to my stay data. <laughs> and, and that's that, that's a great example on how the world has changed. I've actually mm-hmm. used this in my talks. I, I start the talk by playing the trailer of the movie Ocean's Eleven. Uh-huh. So you have George Clooney, Brad mm-hmm. Pitt, Matt Damon, this ragtag gang of mm-hmm. gentlemen, criminals who have this gang which breaks into the vault of Bellagio mm-hmm. and steals tens of millions in cash. And then I point out to the audience that, hey, just recently we had exactly the same casinos, mm-hmm. MGM Grand, Bellagio, being yeah. targeted by criminals trying to steal tens of millions of dollars, right. except they were nowhere near the casinos. This is completely virtual. This is mm-hmm. the difference between good old days and where yeah. we are today. Same targets. Well, of course, one of them was a movie, but you, you get the mm-hmm. point. The yeah. crime has changed. We've gone from local crime, which happened on location, into global crime, which is completely mm-hmm. virtual. And and the MGM research hit is, is just one example. And there's another lesson to be learned from there. Mm-hmm. As we learned later, Caesars Palace, the biggest competitor yeah. to MGM Grand and, and Bellagio in Las Vegas, was hit um, by the same gang just a couple yeah. of weeks earlier and no one even noticed because apparently they paid the ransom, which was 15 million US dollars immediately. Mm-hmm. Sounds like they were ready. They had a Bitcoin wallet waiting just in case something like this happened. And when it happened, they paid it immediately and recovered without anyone noticing. We only know because of the SEC filings. And the filings leads. and the, yeah, the disclosure yeah. requirements that they have to have uh, yeah. as part of being a, you know, a traded company in public uh, that you have to have that insight for your investors. So, yeah. And so it, it is probably the biggest um, case of 2023 from the size of mm-hmm. the headlines, but far from the only one. We had big cases in Europe, like the Royal Mail incident, yep. which was one of the many, many move it cases. And, and that's a great example on how mm-hmm. the tools you use to manage your organization are one of the, one of the major ways in either the... Uh, remote access solutions, mm-hmm. the RDP or VPN solutions you keep running, or then like enterprise level tools like MoveIt, which continue mm-hmm. to be one of the major ways these uh, initial access brokers find ways into the targets, which they then sell to groups like like Clop, Lockbit and Alpha, which do yeah. the actual ransomware deployment once they have access to the internal networks. Absolutely. And one of the things you were seeing is that, you know, to, to your point from if you, you know, you're using that reference from Ocean's Eleven is really important because you get into is that that's a group of, of people working together, all with their own unique, very specialized skills. Mm-hmm. And in, when we look at the criminal gangs, they are in the, built of the same, even though they're not in the same location. Sometimes, sometimes they don't even know each other. Mm-hmm. They're basically having their set of skills that they basically apply to that supply chain of criminal production line. Uh, whether it's they're stealing credentials and then selling it, whether it's creating a piece of malware or a, piece of, uh, a variant of ransomware 
and then making it available to another. And then ultimately you get the, the one who basically puts it, the, the one who puts all those pieces together and then weaponizes it and uses it. Um, and that really kind of makes it difficult because when you have those people that specialized and they're really good at what they do, sometimes, you know, for organizations, it's very difficult to defend against those types of, uh, of techniques. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why I, why I talk about them as, as cybercrime unicorns to make a mm -hmm. reference to unicorn companies. Like if, if Lockbit would be a technology startup, at the, look at their financials, look at how much, yeah. much money they're making, look at what, how big their revenue is, mm -hmm. look at how professional their operation is. If it would be a technology startup, it would be a unicorn. So these guys yeah. are, are serious. And, and, and I, they think that always blows people's minds when I point it out is that these mm. gangs do branding. They have yeah. names and logos and sites. Uh, and the branding reminds me of real world organized crime gangs, mm -hmm. especially gangs like motorcycle gangs, like Bandidos yeah. or Hells mm -hmm. Angels. They do branding as well. They have very recognizable yeah. brands and logos and they need a recognized brand because they need a, a scary brand that everybody respects. Like yep. you know that you don't you don't fool around with Hell's Angels. They're serious yeah. stuff. Same thing with you know Clop Lockbit or Ransom X or Black Pasta. Imagine coming to the office Monday mm -hmm. morning to realize that hey we've been hit by ransomware. Oh my god! And then oh my mm -hmm. god, it's Clop. Oh my yeah. god, it's Alpha. Because you know if you work, you have an association, field, and you then you know it's going to be bad. Yeah, and then they also have they they want to also have the reputation of. If when you pay, you, you recover. They also want to make that association that, you know, if, if it's basically just random, you don't really know who you're dealing with. And then there's always that question is, is will will the, the, the decryption key get work? Will the utility work? Will it they, do they, it? They need everybody to know that they are criminals, but they are honest criminals. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's the big thing. We're in. And I think this year, one of the things I've noticed is that this year, um, it's been interesting as well, to your, to your point, is like, like the CISOs that we didn't know about it. Um, what I think, I think this year I've started seeing exfiltration types of extortion mm -hmm. starting to exceed the crypting type of ransomware because again, the the criminals they they don't want to get the public visibility as well. Sometimes they want to stay stealthy, mm -hmm. and organizations, you know, if their business is not being disrupted, they're more likely to kind of work with the criminals uh, in, in some of the payment side if it's just about the extortion of data. Um, so there is some techniques that I have seen kind of starting to evolve this year. But of course, the ones that we hear about, the big ones, are always the, the encryption-based ones where the businesses come to a complete stop. Yeah, and and very big part of them are very, very public. Yeah. One thing I always say to companies that um, I, I talk about is to go to these sites, go and visit mm -hmm. Lockbit website or Clop or, or any of these gangs yeah. and just scroll around. Just scroll at the amount of the victims. Because very yeah. quickly you will realize that the, the list is a never-ending list of companies of all sizes, mm -hmm. from all business areas, of all types, big and small. Nothing prevents you mm -hmm. from getting hit. If these companies got hit, you can get hit as well. I've Absolutely. never met a company which would like assume beforehand that we're probably going to be the next victim of these gangs. Everybody assumes mm -hmm. it's not going to be them. But it really is yeah. eye-opening when they realize that the list never ends. There's hundreds and hundreds and, and hundreds of them. And organizations of all sizes. And I mean, it's not it's not like they just go after the ones with money. It's they go after any business uh, that's connected. If you have an internet connection, you're a, a opportunistic target. 
Um, I've seen organizations from you know the hundreds of millions and the billions of, of size right down to uh, mid-sized companies, uh, right down to the you know the SMB small like you know businesses with a handful of people. All organizations of all sizes. If you if you're doing business online uh, and you're using technology that's connected, uh, you are you know you, you have to realize that you are a potential victim, and you just have to make sure that you you're conscious of that. And when you're conscious, sometimes it will make you be more motivated to take steps to to try to reduce the risk. Mm-hmm. I agree. I've uh, used the term that it's like sh- shooting a shotgun against the internet. It's hitting yeah. random targets. Absolutely. No, so it's a really good term. It's a, and I, I think one of the things that I, I think it was your term that you mentioned recently, where it was uh, if it's smart, it's it's hackable. <laughs> I think, if, no, no. If it's, pro- really if, like, if it's programmable, it's hackable. If it's yeah. smart, it's vulnerable. If it's pro- programmable, that's it's exactly <laughs> exactly. It's a good good clarification there. So what other things? What what other things have you seen this year? Have you, have, you, have have the techniques changed? Are they, are they are they kind of doing some? I mean, we have seen social engineering mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. on the uptake because, of course. That's the techniques that's you know trying to abuse humans to get around things like two FA and MFA. Uh, yeah. So there has been you know social engineering and phishing techniques. What what techniques do you th- are they changing significantly or are they just going uh, through the same same steps? Mostly the same, but of course we've seen some variation. Late last mm-hmm. year we started seeing some of these MFA exhaustion attacks or, or fatigue mm-hmm. attacks, trying yeah. to get people to approve multi-factor authentication simply by overflow flooding them or or mm-hmm. having a pretexting attacks where they portray themselves to be the tech support team and say that yeah. there's a problem with our two-factor authentication you know I'll, I'll turn it off just give me the last code mm-hmm. and i'll turn it off and people fall for these so when security gets better the attackers figure ways around it mm-hmm. this has always been the game and it will continue to be the game we're just try, trying to throw more and more hurdles against the attackers mm-hmm. but i don't see this game going away anytime soon um one 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 case we should talk about which is unusual and abnormal is is a case right here in finland which is where Mm -hmm. i am which is the vastamo incident because that's that's such a uh, highly unusual case and it's it's a sad one as well because it's one of those situations where you know it's the type of data which has a long-lasting impact on the victims um and it's it's something that you know it's um, people who's been through trauma, people who's been through you know, disasters, and when you go to have conversations with those that's really helping you, you know, those are all meant to be, you know, private, you know, conversations and private notes that should never get out. Yep. Um, so for those of those you, cases, of the of the people yeah. who don't know the case, this is a hack of a private psychotherapy center mm-hmm. in Finland, with thirty one thousand nine hundred and eighty patient records getting exposed, and those. Right patient records had a full list of the sessions with between mm-hmm. therapists and their patients and this is the kind of health data that stays yeah. explosive for a hundred years because yeah. this is people discussing with the most private things with about their their bosses their spouses and mm-hmm. their children and all of this needs to be kept secret as long as anyone mentioned is alive. And that means 100 years. And yeah. I don't really think we've really, as a society, or even us technologists, have mm-hmm. realized what a challenge it is to keep data, like medical data like this, accessible, encrypted, mm-hmm. secured, and backed up for a goddamn 100 years. It's a huge challenge. And here we have the prime example of what can happen when, when we fail. Mm-hmm. Now. 
one of the things which makes the Vastamo, that's the name of the company, the Vastamo case um, unusual is that the company actually went bankrupt. They actually yeah. folded pretty much immediately after all of this uh, mm -hmm. became public. And that's rare. I mean, we only have a handful of cases. I've been keeping tabs on this. I think I yeah. have like 50 documented bankruptcies from all over the world over yeah. my career for, for 30 years, which yeah. is remarkably small number. This is what I always mm -hmm. tell companies when I do briefings to leadership teams. I tell them that, you know, even if you get hacked real bad, your company will be fine. You will yeah. recover. Even your stock valuation will recover. It, it actually, even, will... even within two weeks, typically, it, 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 typically on fast. average, it's usually up, you know, it recovers within two weeks and sometimes even better <laughs> than it was before the true, breach. So True, true. However, what I also tell the leadership team is that your company will survive but you will not. Like the company will recover, but the CISO will get fired, the yeah. CIO will get fired, the CTO will get fired, the CFO might get fired, mm -hmm. the CEO might get fired. This is how I motivate them to listen to me. That you know, your company yeah. will be fine, but you won't be fine. However, and it's even moving even moving into when you're talking about that, is now is even the liability when we look at the solar winds case. Oh yeah. And the SEC uh, uh, now you know doing the uh, uh, criminal and uh, case in you know, filing this is where you know it's not just about you losing your job but you could be personally liable from a financial impact especially if you're a public traded company yeah 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 and of course as you mentioned that we also have the first documented mm -hmm. case during this year where a ransomware gang did an sec filing on behalf of their victims <laughs> yes. just to show the potential new victims that you know you know if if you get hit by us you should take us seriously if you're not reporting mm -hmm. As you should be reporting, we will report you <laughs> on your behalf. On your behalf. <laughs> so yeah, it's like a triple extortion. Yeah. First, you get extorted for encrypting your data, then for leaking your data, and then for failing to report to SCC or the local um, yeah. authority, whatever it might be. Yeah, absolutely. So we continue with the 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 the, the, the Reddit records and stuff. One of the, things, the significant things this year is the person who was behind that eventually was uh, was caught. It was it in Spain? I think it was uh, in France, actually. In France, yeah. France. Although so, he, yeah. he he has been living in multiple different countries, mm -hmm. in and outside of Europe, but he is a Finnish guy, um, well known figure in in the, mm -hmm. uh, in the in this area has been tried i believe twice before for different hacking purposes mm -hmm. was a member of the lizard squad which you might remember yes. six years ago um he hasn't been uh uh found guilty yet so mm -hmm. still, still it's an ongoing criminal but, case and, yeah. but it it's it, he, he he seems very likely to be the, the the right guy i uh i was part of the investigation early on i had mm -hmm. some leaks myself linking him to the case and now that the police investigation has become public which is by the way 2200 mm -hmm. pages of, of police reports i've now read through 1700 pages i still have 500 pages to read there's tons of things linking him to the case for example one of the virtual servers that actually had a copy of mm -hmm. the stolen sql database of the psychotherapy center was sitting on a server which was paid by the personal credit card of the alleged mm -hmm. hacker and multiple other things linking him to the case. So I, I hope he gets sentenced and uh, goes to jail. That's yeah. that's, and that's these and, and unfortunately these situations are sometimes very rare because a lot of the criminal activities you you mentioned, you know, that it's cross border. Uh, they're in other countries and in a lot of cases they are in countries where there's no extradition treaties or even that those countries don't have laws that even consider these as crimes. 
But um, in this case, he wouldn't have been caught unless he wouldn't have made a programming mistake. Mm -hmm. Actually, getting the syntax of the tar command wrong as he was writing mm -hmm. a cron job script for his his <laughs> Linux server. So what he was actually doing during the mm -hmm. uh, the um, early stages of the uh, blackmailing case was that he tried to blackmail the psychotherapy center to pay him mm -hmm. around 400,000 euros um, in exchange of the mm -hmm. patient database. When that didn't work out, he was then um, starting to publish patient records on mm -hmm. a Tor site. So he set up a Tor website running on, 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 on Tor, uh, uh, on a Tor server, mm -hmm. where he would initially manually publish 100 patient records a day. After a couple of days, he got tired of doing it manually. So he did a cron mm -hmm. job, which would run every night at 3 a.m., uh pick 100 mm -hmm. random text files, each text file or one text file per victim and put them on the Tor site. The mistake he made was that when you set the working directory in the Tor mm -hmm. command, the commands you do on the command line after the change directory command are done in different folder than before it. So he mm -hmm. simply got the syntax wrong, which is really easy to do with Tor. He test mm -hmm. drove the, the script he wrote, which worked fine because he happened to be running it from the mm -hmm. folder where the files were. But then when he put it as a cron job, it runs as root, which means tar you was now taking files from the roots home directory. For you, and for then, to get the full path. Yeah, that's right. And, and the end result was that he published on his Tor site listing of files in the root user's home directory, including his SSH keys, his mm -hmm. command line history, his tools. And this is how police got lucky and uh, yeah. actually found the guy. If he wouldn't have done that mistake, we probably would be still searching. Yeah, that's that's actually, I mean, that's one of the things is that usually it's, it is those tiny little details of mistakes that, that ultimately results in, in, in finding uh, the attackers. and, and um, if they're continuing to do it, there's only the few that decide to completely change, you know, their, their, their techniques and, and, and don't repeat. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's good to hear at least some of those cases do, do come to conclusion at some point, because that one is, I, I'm, you know, it is devastating. And I yeah. can, you know, think about how the victims of that will, you know, continue. Thankfully, this is rare. I only know yeah. of three other cases anywhere in the world where patient data would have been used to blackmail patients themselves because yeah. as the yeah which i think on, was the other one was in australia which was the the the, the Medi uh, medibank medibank yeah that was yeah. the other one where they they targeted because because medibank wouldn't pay up they target the victims yeah. <laughs> which yeah. then you get into those situations as well yeah. what other, i mean in in other areas as well you know how 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 much of the supply chain is also being impacted uh, this year um, yeah. is that something that you're continually seeing are, are attackers looking to you know to let's say accelerate the ability to target victims, you know, by targeting suppliers where it allows them access to, to more organizations? Is that still being a trend and in, in, in something of uh, a technique? I think from cyber criminals perspective, mm -hmm. supply chain attacks continue to be opportunistic. If they have mm -hmm. a way of using something like that to get in, they know they can access a huge amount of victims at the same time. That's Basically, you could say move it was a supply chain attack mm -hmm. yep. because that tool you know, was used in enterprise clients around the world and there was no way for them to know it was vulnerable. 
Mm-hmm. But when you look at more specific supply chain attacks, especially planted attacks, where they first gain access to the supplier to booby trap mm-hmm. the tools being used by others, those are then more likely to be governmental. So espionage, intelligence, intelligence gathering. Exactly. That's that's yeah. very clever way of gaining access to the place where you need to be gaining access to, and you can figure out what kind of tools you would like to booby trap, mm-hmm. which would then presumably be used by the kind of uh, targets you're interested in. And that continues to be, you know, really, really problematic. How do you make mm-hmm. sure that the things you are running inside your organization are really audited properly, yeah. especially if you're faced with a, a nation state as someone who wants to attack against you? It yeah. is, uh, it's, it's very, very tough. So you're just hoping you... that the motives are never, <laughs> never acted upon, because <laughs> yes. only that's that's the result. Is you know. and, and, and from my point of view, there really is no no way of completely preventing this so the best mm-hmm. shot you have is to have enough capability to detect when you get hit yep. so have enough anomaly detection mm-hmm. have the capability of realizing mm-hmm. that something weird is happening in your networks and be able to raise an alarm so if you can't mm-hmm. stop it then the next best thing is to realize yep. you have been hacked so you can respond immediately yeah i think the big area is also having that balance between being able to detect and then respond effectively. Not all responses are equal, and sometimes they're not all trained and simulated. So the last thing you want to be doing is in an active scenario. Uh, so sometimes make how you respond and and what your recovery, uh, you know, strategy is as well. Um, one thing is all as you know, with the big trend this year has been around artificial intelligence and AI sure. and the big buzzword and the trends. And we've seen this hype kind of, um, you know, throughout the industry we always see these kind of like massive you know, terms and trends. We've had zero trust. We've had, mm-hmm. you know, quantum and blockchain and, and many other and cryptocurrencies. Uh, and now, you know, the latest trend is around AI. Um, you know, is is it something, you know, I mean, are criminals using using it to their advantage? Um, is it something that we're seeing used more in attacks? And, and what's your thought around, uh, around AI in the industry today? You're absolutely right. There's tons of hype around AI, but I think the hype is warranted. This is not an mm-hmm. empty bubble. There might be a bubble brewing in AI. We might see a bubble per- burst, but it's going to be similar to what happened with the dot-com mm-hmm. boom in 1999 and 2000. Sure, we had a huge like amount of uh, oversized expectations and the bubble bursted, but if you look at the promises people were being given in the end of 1999 about how internet is going to change the world, all of that became true. All mm-hmm. shopping did go online. Yeah. Movies did go online. We really do buy dog food online today, which, <laughs> which, which is what was promised. It just took, you know, 20 years. So AI is really changing the world. Mm-hmm. I do believe the AI revolution is a bigger revolution than the internet revolution, and that's saying something. That's a, the that's a big really, that, you know, it, it, because it changed our lives a lot. <laughs> it did. It did, and I think AI will change world mm-hmm. more. So probably, probably more in how we work, like the workforce. I think that's probably you're absolutely right. We don't think about it just as our society. I think it changes employment, uh, the way we in, in employment happens in the future. So you're, you're absolutely, I think you're spot on there. Yeah, and industrial revolutions have typically changed the way we work more for the working class and less for the white collar mm-hmm. people. This one is exactly the other way around. AI won't change the work our um, blummers do at all. It's going to take mm-hmm. away your job and my yep. job. And that's um, that's going to be a different story altogether. But it, it is quite remarkable how quickly 
this is moving, mm-hmm. especially since we've been waiting for this revolution for decades. Like yeah, since the sixties, I think it was even because yeah, yeah. then, then it was then it was mostly focused around simulations and educational training uh, models. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you know, this is something that's been worked on for a long time, and now I think it's one of those things that all the things have just come at the right time. You know, it, it probably wouldn't have been successful without having the connectivity that we have today, sure. uh, the processing power that we have today, sure. uh, the data that's being collected. Sure. All of those things. I think it's one of those times. It's just timing is 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 right. Yep. Um, but I think you're, you know, to your point, uh, it will probably be more over the, the 10 to 20 year time that we'll start seeing what we're talking about today become much more reality. I don't think it's going to come immediately. Yeah. 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 I think the, one of the key issue really was that all human knowledge now is data. Just 15, 20 years ago, big part of human knowledge was on paper. You can't teach machines with paper, but yeah. now Obviously, all the new information we generate is data, but, but we've even gone back and digitized all the old information, which means Absolutely. you can just use it, feed it to machines. And with the computing capability we have today, you can just have mm-hmm. them read it all, read all the books, read every finished book and pick up the language. It's the same thing with every other language. Mm-hmm. Learn to program in any languages simply by reading all the books. And yeah. it's, 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 it's finally doable after all this, all these uh, AI winters and springs mm-hmm. and fall starts no it really is happening and it's hard to keep up even if you try to and let me mm-hmm. give a recommendation to people listening we've all played around with uh, large language models and mm-hmm. image generators some of you have tried music generators mm-hmm. but there's one which is really blowing my mind right now it's called suno that's s-u-n-o dot a-i mm-hmm. um which is a music generator. You write, like, give me gangster rap with big bass and a lot of boom <laughs> and large echo, and then mm. make me some lyrics and rap it. And it can mm. rap or do heavy metal or do pop singing in any language. It, it sings <laughs> in your language or it raps in your language. And it's well, surprisingly impressive. good. It is Try it. You will be uh, amazed. In fact, I'm actually, I'll be, I'll be, I'll, I'll be making some some songs. Later this you should evening. make a song and you should include it in this episode in yeah. the end, so people have an idea about what well, it sounds well, like. I'm going to take the transcript. You and should. You know what? Both of us will be doing, being doing a duet. Oh boy! I, I already regret bringing this up, but I think it's a great example on how fast this is moving because mm-hmm. I was looking at music generators three months ago. And in just three months, they've mm-hmm. changed so much. The thing, Suno creates songs that I wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, be surprised to hear from the radio. They're, they're so, perfectly fine. So a question, a question on this. One of the things is I always get is, as I remember, one at the Talent Digital Summit this year, uh, one of the things that was, you know, they, they get up and announce is that the, this images was done with AI and this, you know, choreography, the music, everything was AI. And I'm, I'm going, I always felt that, you know, at the end, some developer sitting there who wrote the algorithm that was used to create it, how, what does accountability come here? <laughs> you know, can you just say it was the AI's fault, it wasn't mine? <laughs> and then the developer's going, well, I, I wrote the algorithm, it's, it's the AI's fault, it's not mine. Yeah. What does is, what is accountability come in this area? It's like, yeah. uh, are we just trying to dis- disassociate decision-making from away from humans? Uh, I mean, where does, it, where does this come? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, this is a very tough question, and, and European Union is trying to answer mm-hmm. some of these tough questions in, with the AI Act, and that's yes. a really hard thing to do. 
AI Act uh, is trying to solve tons of different problems related to mm -hmm. AI in general, including copyright, trademark, safety, security, mm -hmm. and uh, you know the responsibility question. Yep. Um, from my point of view, when we make real-world decision or decisions mm -hmm. based on, on, on machine learning, who really is responsible? Clearly, it can't be the, the algorithm. It has to be a human. So then yep. the question becomes, is it the programmer inside the organization? Is it the programming team? Is it the R&D unit? Mm -hmm. Is it the CEO? Is it the leadership team? Or is it the board of the company? Like, wh where do no, we put the responsibility? Yeah. And, 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 and most companies have no idea. They've never even thought about this. Like mm -hmm. We write code for self-driving cars. If the car kills someone, is it the responsibility of the programmer or the chairman of the board? Mm -hmm. Great question. Right. I don't have an answer for it, but it's a great question. Yeah, I think it's something that you know. Eventually, one one incidents do happen, there will be you know those discussions will probably you know really uh, choose some of the direction. I get also just kind of finally one of the things I want to get is that you know for the for for the future moving forward, where do you see kind of in, let's say in twenty twenty four and beyond, where do you see kind of the direction of this going? What what do you think is is going to be the outcome? Are we going to see this battle of AIs um, happening? Is, is that yes, something that's... absolutely. <laughs> yes. It sounds like science fiction. That's exactly yeah. what we're going to see. We will mm -hmm. see good AI versus bad AI. Now, mm -hmm. from my point of view, if you look at things, um, these different gen AI algorithms mm -hmm. will, will, will uh, be causing problems with as regards to cybersecurity. Some of them are pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. uh, Deepfakes, sure, will be used yeah. in scams. We already see that in small scale, not in huge scale, but they already exist. I have examples mm -hmm. of, of deepfakes being used to scam people. Um, then we will see more, um, not deepfakes, but let's say deep scams, let's say mm -hmm. romance scams or BEC scams yeah. done in massive parallel capabilities, fooling 10,000 victims at the same time across all language barriers. This seems to be starting already. Um, yeah, I think in India was the big one recently where it mm -hmm. was the... Uh, uh, the 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 in trouble scam. You know, that yep. was the one I think. Uh, was it uh, uh, Darknet Diaries was covering the episode there, which was really interesting about you know how big that was about getting yep. you know, and it was it was kind of accelerating in India. Yep. And if you, for example, romance scam, which is a huge probably one of the biggest mm -hmm. problems for consumers, is is uh, auction scams, Airbnb scams, mm -hmm. and and investment scams, and romance yep. scams. One romance scammer right now fools maybe three or four victims at the same time. Typically in languages he, mm -hmm. he can understand at least to some level. With automation, one scammer can scam ten thousand victims at the same time in all languages, and it's going to be perfect. So yeah. this this is the, the problem. So scaling. Things, this is yeah, the scaling. It, it it scales the 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 crime to astronomical to to unthinkable you know possibilities, yep. Um, yep. and that's a scary thought. It is. I've actually discussed this with with um, people at OpenAI about how mm -hmm. they could limit this. It's 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 a hard problem. We don't have an easy solution for that either. Yep. But if you look at the other things which will be happening with Gen AI beyond deep fakes and deep scams, then we will have malware written by mm -hmm. uh, large language models. We yep. so far have three examples. Um, AI will be able to find vulnerabilities, which is mm -hmm. great when you're trying to find zero days yep. in your own code. It's awful when someone else is trying to find zero days in your code. And then we will see complete automation of malware campaigns. So yeah. 
right now defenders like like we at WitSecure, we've automated everything. Mm -hmm. We are very fast in finding and reacting to new attacks. The attackers are still working manually. They are reacting at human speed to the Mm -hmm. things our defense systems do at machine speed, and that will change. And we know it hasn't changed Mm -hmm. yet because they are still slow. But that's going to change anytime. It could have changed already. It simply hasn't. And then when that happens, then we really will see which one will be faster, good AI or bad AI. We will have, Mm -hmm. I don't know, a ransomware campaign run completely hands-free, which will automatically set up new CNC servers, register new domains, rewrite the emails, recompile the binaries. In real time. In real time. That's the worry for me is that if all of a sudden the the malware is basically it's modifying itself in real time to evade detection and yep. and to to get around the techniques. I and hate the you way get, you think. <laughs> and then and then when you think about it, it gets into the collective, the Borg scenario where you know it's all working together. Uh, and basically, uh, uh, this it really gets to a point where you know we really need to make sure we, we keep ahead uh, um, and we're always advancing. Um, yeah. no, no time to be complacent, I would say. There is still job security in cybersecurity. <laughs> Yeah, it just it what we do in the techniques will, will evolve and change. Uh, we won't keep doing the same thing, and that's always been the case. I yeah. mean, I, if, if I think about my career over the, over the years, every five years uh, I have to to modify, you know, and, and change um, and adapt, um, and that's something I think we're going to continue having to do anyway. And 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 that's great. After thirty two years in the industry, I haven't had a boring day yet. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. That it's it's always great to hear uh, because that's uh, for me. Absolutely, it's always been exciting, and uh, as I approach uh, similar similar years in the industry, uh, I, I, that means that I'm I'm hopeful that uh, I will continue enjoying what I do, <laughs> so as as you do yourself, uh, Miko. It's been amazing having you on. I always enjoy talking to you. Hopefully, we'll get to catch up again in per uh, in, in in person. Um, I'm pretty sure it won't be long because we're we're such uh, close neighbors. <laughs> mm, that's <laughs> so, right. That's right. Um, but it's been awesome. Any any final words of wisdom or thoughts for the audience uh, before we finish up today? Well. One thing I always like to do is thank people for their work. Mm-hmm. Those of you who work in cybersecurity, people don't see your work because when cybersecurity works, mm-hmm. nothing happens. So thank you for your work. Thank you for working, making the world a safer place. Thank you. Absolutely. So what, very wise words, and, and I couldn't you know, read it. It's, it's absolutely, you know, when, when things don't happen, we know that, you know, things are, you know, security is working and that's always a great thing to hear miko it's been amazing having you on um i'll definitely make sure that the audience gets uh you know we make sure we put a link to the book uh, in the show notes and uh have have a safe and great holidays and uh, and enjoy enjoy your break uh make sure you have a have a great time so thank you all the best and for everyone this is the 401 access tonight podcast tune in every, every two weeks and uh, you'll get the latest updates and trends and, and from amazing uh, guests such as miko This podcast is brought to you by Delinea, the number one privileged access management solution for enterprises with complex hybrid IT environments. You can get our free ebook, Privileged Access Management for Dummies, by visiting us at delinea.com slash PAM for Dummies. That's delinea.com forward slash PAM, the number four, dummies. From all of us at Delinea, thanks for listening.